What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Sports Gamble Ramble. This is SGR106. How we doing? Missed you guys. I know I've taken a couple weeks off here in the middle of the season from recording, and that is not cool of me. But hey, we got three weeks left. It's week 15 in the NFL. I'm recording this Friday, December 16th. And this is obviously an exciting time of year. We got playoff clinching scenarios coming up, and we got a shit ton of extra primetime uh, isolation games here in the NFL. Um, week 15 here, we've got three Saturday games, and then obviously the full slate on Sunday, Sunday Night Football, Monday Night Football. And then next week for week 16, uh, they're really splitting up the action between Christmas Eve and Christmas that Saturday, Sunday uh, combo there. So we are going to have so much extra football over the next two weeks. It's going to be hard to focus on anything else. It's going to be hard to pay attention to your family next weekend throughout the holidays. Um, but hey, you know, grab a beer, pull up in front of the TV and, you know, enjoy because it's not every year that we get a, uh, a football holiday here. So um, we're not going to waste too much time. We're going to go ahead and get into the week 15 slate. Uh, but first, I do just want to let you guys know, I'm working with a new partner. They're called BetStamp. It's a mobile app that I use to shop around for the best prices and odds on the market. I'm not going to bore you guys with lengthy ad reads, but I will bring them up throughout the episodes here because it is the main tool that I'm using to shop around for the best odds and prices, like I said. So when I'm breaking down games, I'm going to remind you guys that I'm using the BetStamp app to shop around for these prices and you can actually use my promo code Joseph B to sign up uh, when you download the bet stamp app please DM me on Instagram and I actually have some exclusive offers and opportunities I might be able to help you guys out getting some initial deposit um, uh, minimum deposit uh, you know amounts covered and things like that so was doing really great on this ad read before that but we're gonna keep it going um, I appreciate you guys bearing with me, and we're going to go ahead and break down uh, week 15. So the first game we've got this Saturday, 1 o'clock in the afternoon, Eastern time, of course, as I'm up here in western New York. Uh, the Colts take on the Vikings. Vikings currently a 3.5-point favorite, uh, over under 47.5. Those lines are pretty consistent across most books right now. Um, and it's interesting, though, this line uh, opened at 6 uh, this week. I believe I saw 6 out there. If not, 5.5 was definitely available, and we're down to 3.5 right now. I think uh, also this is one of the most heavily backed public teams this weekend with the Vikings. I, I really think that there's um, some weird stuff going on with this one, so I'm kind of excited to talk about it. I do lean with the Colts in this spot. Um, we're seeing, like I said, spreads three and a half right now, but it's dropped two and a half points this week. There's clearly sharp money coming in on the indie side. 84% of the bets on Minnesota, but only 72% of the dollars. Yet again, those lopsided splits, the, the line has dropped two and a half points. So those numbers are from DraftKings Sportsbook and Again, that that's just a massive sharp movement. It's called reverse line movement, and it's something that you gotta pay attention to. It's big red flag there. The Vikings are ten and three right now. They're coming off that loss to the Lions, who we'll talk about in a little bit. They're playing some good football right now. But the Vikings to me are a team that a lot of people, especially the analytics nerds out there in the gambling community, have been calling um for a for regression for a, a long time really a majority of this season they started out incredibly hot um five and one i believe to start the season maybe even got off to a better start than that but over the last month or so i mean they're first off they're winning a lot of close one score games which you know anybody in the industry will tell you that's um, a thing that, you know, is probably not the most um, reliable or, or the most dependable over the long haul. You know, maybe the most sustainable is the word I was looking for. Um, those one score games, you know, the ball, it's just a matter of the ball bouncing one way or another. This Vikings team, if you look at a lot of advanced uh, metrics as far as some of the some of the stats that the football outsiders use um, for DVOA and just overall defensive efficiency. I mean, this team has had a bottom five defense for a majority of the season, despite their 
um, outstanding win loss record. And again, it comes down to, you know, turnovers and, you know, lucky breaks in the fourth quarter kind of going their way. I do think this team is a little overrated. I was a big fan of the Vikings coming into this season. Uh, I had them over eight and a half wins. I even talked on my Vikings preview in August about how I thought that they had a chance to win this division as a, uh, I believe, plus 180 underdog to win the division here back this summer. I talked about how the Packers were due to take a step back offensively with Devontae Adams leaving and how the new head coach here, Kevin O'Connell, could potentially bring a spark to this offense with the weapons that they have in a Dalvin Cook and a Justin Jefferson and an Adam Thielen. Uh, And all that has come true. But that said, this spot to me screams, you know, you got to take the underdog here. I think it's a higher scoring game based on, again, the struggles that the Vikings have had. And I know that the Colts are a gross team that you don't want to get involved with right now, but let me let me lay out the scenario because this is not just your average uh, Sunday afternoon for the Colts here. The Colts' last football game, they're coming off their bye week, okay? So their last game was in week 13 on Monday Night Football against the Cowboys in a game that you all should remember pretty vividly. The Colts were down 21-19 entering that uh, fourth quarter um, against Dallas on Monday night and got outscored 33 nothing in the fourth quarter of that game. That was an embarrassing blowout loss on national television, and I am sure that it has left a bad taste in the mouths of the entire Colts locker room there. I know Jeff Saturday isn't a coach that people are lining up to endorse right now, but to me, this is a team that, again, for the last two weeks has been stewing over that collapse in the fourth quarter against Dallas and should come out motivated in this one. I think the Colts, with, again, the bye week, the extra time to prepare, the extra rest. I mean, imagine being a professional football player and not getting a week off until week 14 of the goddamn season. That's pretty ridiculous to start itself, but we don't need to turn this ramble into a rant here. Um, I really think that there's a lot of situational factors, a lot of professional pride and motivation on that Colts side, again, sitting there stewing off that loss for two weeks where they're going to come out swinging at Minnesota. Last point I guess I want to make here is that although this isn't you know, an 8 o'clock primetime Monday night football game, this is an island game with a national audience, and it's Kirk Cousins playing quarterback for the Vikings. We know how that trend has worked out throughout his career, and I'm going to lean into taking the points here. I haven't locked in any bets on this game so far. I think you can talk me into an over, if anything, just because that you know I missed the number on the Colts. Like I said, opening at 6, now down to 3.5. They're going to need to pull off the upset or win by less than a field goal. It's difficult. Difficult for me to really put my money on it, but I think that again, extra time to prepare, build a little offensive game plan against this porous Vikings uh, defense, specifically pass defense. I think Michael Pittman can have a decent game for you fantasy players, and I think that the Colts are going to be uh, sneakily competitive. I want to say in this game, so that's kind of uh, my overall take here. I lean with Indy plus three and a half, and I lean at over forty-seven and a half on the point total. Now, I told you guys that I had some uh, high-confidence picks for this Saturday, and as we transition from that Vikings game over to the 430 kickoff on Saturday, we have a a divisional rivalry, the second of two divisional matchups there in the Saturday slate. We got the Ravens and the Browns. The Browns are at home. They're minus three as a favorite here to uh, Baltimore. Over-under is 38 and a half here, and obviously with these two teams, the way that they're playing offense recently with the way that the quarterback situation is shaking out right now you have to lean towards the under in that one for sure my gut is screaming give me the ravens and i don't even need the three points give me the money line like i said um i feel good about a couple of these saturday games this is one of them and i i actually have already locked in the ravens plus the three points i'll take the three while it's out there you know and i am noticing that this three may not be out there for that long I mentioned I'm using BetStamp to shop for these odds. I'm on six different sports books in New York State that are legal to bet on mobily. Out of those six books, only two of them are offering a plus three for the Ravens right now. That's BetMGM has plus three at minus 115, and Caesars has plus three at minus 120. All other four uh, mobile betting apps in New York State are at minus two and a half here. So if you want that three points, you're either going to have to buy a half point tomorrow or you're going to have to grab it this afternoon. 
Um, hopefully you listen to this by the time it moves. I'll try and get it out there for you guys. But I really do like Baltimore plus the three here. Harbaugh as an underdog against Kevin Stefanski. It's just a complete mismatch. In my opinion, the wrong team is favored. I know that this game is in Cleveland, but I don't really give a shit, okay? It's not like Harbaugh doesn't travel to Cleveland every single year. It's not like this Ravens team is going to be in over their head here against the Browns. Um, I think people may be overreacting a little bit to the fact that, okay, yeah, the Browns have Deshaun Watson back, but is that an upgrade? No. Jacoby Brissett was playing much better for this team. And if you guys want to go to my Instagram, I cut a video on that two weeks ago when Watson was getting ready for his return in Houston about how he was going to play like shit coming back. Guys, the guy hasn't played football in two years, and he is being... Um, dare I say harassed at these stadiums <laughs> to put a little twist on it there. Let's not dive into any cancel culture situations here. Um, but yeah, uh, Watson not being well received by the fans at some of these stadiums. And it's obviously a distraction, guys. Quarterbacks can't play with mental distractions. If I'm a linebacker and I'm distracted about something, I can just be pissed off the entire game and go headhunt and take out my frustrations. And maybe it helps me play better. As a quarterback, dude, you can't be playing with emotion out there. You, you got to have, have a clear mind to read the defense and to keep your entire offense on time and on tempo and scheduled and run a huddle and be a leader and all the dude, this guy is in way over his head. The, the Browns might not win another game. I really hope that they don't because it's just hilarious to watch here. Let's get into some more tangible stuff aside of that. Um, I mean, t uh, on, the, on the Ravens side of the quarterback situation, we have Tyler Huntley here. Exited the game against Pittsburgh last week with a concussion, but the Ravens still found a way with their defense and with their power running game to scratch and claw and pull off the victory against the divisional rival. I mean, let's not forget, this Ravens team is still in first place in their division. They're the three seed in the AFC, and they will be getting Lamar back at some point. They need to just wade water right now and just uh, or tread water and just maintain position there for an AFC playoff spot. They're still a half, I believe, a half game up, if I'm remembering correctly, on the Bengals right now in that division. But the Bengals are getting hot, so they need to keep winning. I think they can do that against a team in the Browns that have so many distractions and just a dark cloud over the entire locker room right now. Um, I mentioned the coaching mismatch, okay? Um, in general, in the AFC North, uh, underdogs of three points or less since 2017 cover at a rate of 43-22-5 against the spread. And then we look at uh, Jim Harbaugh, <clears throat> excuse me, John Harbaugh, 17-7-1 uh, against the spread as a divisional underdog in his time with the Ravens. 17-7-1 against the spread. Stefanski, on the other end, does not do well when the expectations are high. Stefanski, as a head coach of the Browns, 9-17 against the spread as a favorite. One and seven against the spread as a divisional favorite. Are you kidding me? Give me the Ravens money line. Also, will uh, you know worth mentioning here? Nick Chubb has been a monster for the Browns this year for the most part of the season, and he's clearly the focal point of that offense. If Chubb can't get it going, the Browns can't do anything. Nick Chubb um, averages less than 65 rushing yards per game against the Baltimore Ravens, and it is his lowest average against any team in the NFL throughout his career. The Ravens historically have been able to shut down that running game, and if they make Deshaun Watson win this game against the Ravens defense that's played much better over the second half of the season than they did over that rough start, um, look the fuck out. Uh, in my opinion, Tyler Huntley, the way that he's playing right now as a backup, might be better than what the Browns are getting from Deshaun Watson in his current state. Maybe he gets it together this offseason. Maybe he goes down to the rainforest with Aaron Rodgers and tries some plants and gets his head on straight and comes back with a new attitude next year. But right now, the Browns are broken, and I will gladly take the extra value on the Baltimore Ravens not only getting three points, but what are they, plus 150 on the, on the money line? Get out of here, guys. It's a gift. It's a gift from the football gods. Ravens all day tomorrow. Last Saturday game, another divisional matchup here and a big one in the AFC playoff picture. We got the Buffalo Bills minus seven favorites at home against the Miami Dolphins. Like I said, guys, this is a big one here, not only for the division, but for the AFC 
uh, playoff picture and wild card picture as a whole. Uh, the over-under in this game, 44 and a half. And uh, just like I've already locked in the Ravens plus three, um, Friday afternoon I also decided to grab the under in this Bills game before it moves any further. I will mention again, I was shopping around on BetStamp, and what I found was that the only sports book in New York State out of the six that I'm signed up for that's offering a 44 and a half for this point total is FanDuel. Every other book, five out of six, have moved the line down to 44 already. So if you're shopping around, see what price you can get. You can use the BetStamp app to do that. Uh, but again, you want to make sure you're getting the best prices here. 44 and a half, I grabbed that extra half point. I like this under because of the weather, guys. It's going to be snowy in Buffalo. We're expecting um, possibly a foot of snow by the end of the game Saturday night. Uh, 28 degrees at kickoff and 10 mile per hour winds. This is a team from Miami that had to use space heaters on the sideline in a dome last week in Los Angeles. That to me doesn't even make sense. I don't understand how you're uh, a, a, not only just a professional athlete, not only just a, f a football player. How are you a man that needs a space heater in a indoor you know, heated it. What is it? 65 degrees in that dome and they needed heaters because it's not 85 like it is down in Miami. That's ridiculous. Grow a set. Aside from that, I do, I do think it plays a factor. Okay. Like this Dolphins team coming into play in harsh conditions. It's also a revenge game for Buffalo. You remember everybody thought the bills were going to go 17 and 0 until they lost to the Dolphins in week four. And then it was a question of, is this Dolphins team going to the Super Bowl, right? I, I just love looking back at the overreactions. But, okay, the reason the Dolphins won that game, guys, is because it was fucking 95 degrees and 90% humidity down in Miami. Now the Bills get it on the other end. I mean, it's like we're watching a battle of the heat miser versus the snow miser here. And when you got to travel to the other guy's environment, it's not going to go well for you. So, yeah, I think this lines up perfectly for the Bills to have a, a bit of a revenge situation here. I will lean towards the minus seven, although I feel better about the under here. Okay, like I said, I locked in 44 and a half. It's down to 44 on most books. To me, I noticed something with this Dolphins team two weeks ago when they played the 49ers. My, you know, my favorite pick of the week. Um, what was that week 13? I believe, uh, against the spread was the 49ers minus four against the dolphins. And they managed to get the job done with Brock fucking Purdy, who I guess we don't have a Brock Purdy segment on this episode. The 49ers played Thursday, but that's, that's a wild situation in itself. There 49ers clearly not dead right now. Um, back to the dolphins here. Yeah. Their, their matchup with the 49ers. I, I found a crazy nugget that led me to that handicap. So if you look at what the Dolphins do on offense, their entire offense is predicated over these interme intermediate over-the-middle throws. You know, they target one area of the field, really. I mean, they're bread and butter. How many highlights have you guys seen of Waddle and Tyree catching a slant or a post over the middle and taking it to the house? It's all they do. And I, I found a stat that the 49ers were the best team in the NFL at defending passes to the intermediate middle portion of the field since drafting Fred Warner. And I said, well, fuck, if they can shut that area of the field down, what else can Miami do on offense? It turned out that kind of worked. And then we saw Miami struggle against the Chargers. And I said, well, shit. Is the blueprint out, guys? Is there a plan out there? Is there is there a formula? You know, if you can, you know, make Tua a little bit uncomfortable and take away his first read over that, you know, 20 yards straight ahead of him in the middle of the field, you know, we might have found something here as, as to how to slow down this Dolphins offense. I, I really think that there's something to this. Uh, Jalen Waddell not completely healthy at this point in the season. And the Bills, um, I believe, getting a little bit healthier on defense on that back end. Trey White is back. Jordan Poyer's back. Von Miller's gone, but the young defensive ends are stepping up. Russo's playing pretty well right now. And I lean towards the minus seven, but my favorite pick in this game is the under 44 and a half for a lot of the, the reasons I just laid out there. But this Dolphins team coming off two bad offensive performances and now having to play against, you know, a better team in a bad uh, weather and environmental situation in a primetime hostile crowd in Bill's Mafia. Yeah, I got to lean with the minus seven and the under 44 and a half here. And uh, for anybody who's downing the Bills right now at this point of the season because they only put up 20 points against the Jets last week, let's not freak out, okay? This team will just be just fine come January. So, uh, yeah.
Uh, Bills minus seven and for sure under 44 and a half. My favorite bets of Saturday right now, Ravens plus three and Bills Dolphins under 44 and a half. Now let's move on to Sunday. All right, the first game on Sunday that we're going to break down in the 1 o'clock window, we should not take as long with this one as we have on the past few games here so far this episode. We got the Falcons at the Saints. Uh, the Saints are at home. They're minus 4 right now. Um, looking at my bet stamp app, the only book that I'm seeing offering a 3.5 right now is BetMGM. All other books in New York uh, showing a minus 4 for the Saints. So if you like... The Saints, and you want to catch a three and a half, MGM is the book to do it. Um, the over under 43 and a half, and I got to lean towards the under in this one. I'm going to pick a lot of unders this week, guys, and a big part of it is just a trend. I don't have the overall hit rates in front of me, but just historically, uh, divisional rematches over the second half of the season, you know, these last month or so of the season with a team that's already played each other once so far. Um, I just lean automatically towards unders in those spots, especially in like cold weather games or, or primetime games. Like, you know, we hit a cold weather primetime divisional under just last night in the uh, 49ers game. So I lean towards the under in this one. If I have a play on it, the under is the play for sure. Um, the line is a little weird to me. Like I said, fluttering between three and a half and four on Friday. I noticed it got hit down to three and a half on most books across the market a few hours ago. And now while I'm recording here, back up to four in some places. Obviously, uh, the sharp guys on the market trying to get the best of that number. The big news for me here is that Desmond Ritter is making his first career start for the Falcons. Marcus Mariona finally being benched. Um, these teams, I guess, both technically neither eliminated from playoff contention, but they both suck pretty badly here. Uh, for the sake of this pick segment, I'm going to go with the Saints minus four here. I just don't think that I can take a rookie quarterback in his first NFL start on the road in a hostile environment like New Orleans. That said, I'm not really interested in betting this spread. Four points is an awkward number for a game that I think goes under the total and could be won by a walk-off field goal. You know, if this game is won by Will Lutz or Young Hoku blasting a 50-yarder, in OT or, you know, with three seconds left, are we surprised at all? No. I mean, it's a divisional rivalry. It could be tight and it's going to be low scoring. I don't want to lay the number. I'll pick New Orleans minus four because I won't endorse the rookie going into the Superdome and getting a win. But um, awkward number on the spread. Give me under 43 and a half in that matchup as my favorite uh, play so far. I do want to throw this out there. My gut says that Alvin Kamara has a big game. Okay, he has not been producing well for fantasy players lately. Trust me, I know I'm in the playoffs with him this week. I'm looking forward to getting um, vintage Kamara this weekend in this matchup. The Falcons are not a defense that scares me a whole lot. It's indoors. It's on turf. Hopefully we get a big performance from Kamara. Um, but again, not a strong conviction on the spread here, leaning with the Saints and give me under 43 and a half for the point total. Next in the one o'clock window this Sunday is uh, a matchup between my beloved Philadelphia Eagles and the uh, three win Chicago Bears who... When Justin Fields is in the lineup, obviously a lot more entertaining to watch than your uh, standard three-win team. The Bears currently, I believe, the second or third overall pick in the draft. And you look long-term, I mean, we found out that Justin Fields is a guy this year, so you got to be happy about that. The Bears are getting their asses kicked, but it's because their defense stinks. Makes sense. They shipped off half their veterans before the season started. Um, but you got to be optimistic because the games are at least entertaining now. You theoretically have a quarterback for the future and you can start building around him right Chicago uh, this game to me uh Philly favored by nine it's in Chicago nine point home dog that's a big home dog in the NFL the over under is 48 and a half I'm going to lean towards uh Chicago with the points in this one I'm an Eagles fan and I'm still picking the Bears here look the birds are unbelievable. I don't think anybody wants to bet against them right now, especially with a three-win football team, right? I get it. I think Fields can do enough here. He he is going to be, the, you know, the Eagles haven't faced a player like him this year is, is, I guess, what I'm trying to say. And while the Eagles' defense is dominant on several different facets of the game, we haven't really had to deal with just a freak mobile quarterback yet. And I'm curious to see... 
um, how that plays out. I think that Fields coming off the bye should be well rested. You know, obviously he was in and out of the lineup with some fatigue and, and just banged up over the course of the season with how much they run him. Um, but he should be good to go, I would think, after a full week off. It's just too big of a number for me. Again, nine points is a home dog. You have to lean into that for me. Philly also, and you know, I'll just I'll parlay this with our next game pick because we're going to break down the Cowboys game next. The Eagles and Cowboys play week 16 on Christmas Eve, guys. It is the biggest game of the regular season for those two teams by far. And if you follow the conversation in the media that, you know, nobody is asking Eagles players or Cowboys players this week about the Bears or the Jaguars. Um, Let's just have this conversation all at once, I guess. Did you guys hear the the clips this week? Michael Parsons running his mouth on the Von Miller cast, um, talking about how Jalen Hurts doesn't deserve to be MVP. It's gotten a ton of traction. It's one of the biggest stories in the news cycle this week. And these teams don't even play until week 16. So I'm not calling for the Eagles to get upset here. Obviously, I would be very pissed off about that. But nine points is a lot. This could easily happen as a backdoor cover. You know, whether Philly's up 14 in the fourth quarter and then the Bears go and punch one in in garbage time. Like, that's very open, the back door on this one. And, I mean, fuck, like, maybe Philly sleepwalks into this one and, and, and we got a battle. I don't know, but I'm going to pick the Bears plus nine. I haven't figured out the over-under on this one yet. Going to take the weekend to wrap up my research. Final picks are posted on my Instagram at SGRpod. But I like the Bears plus nine quite a bit in this one. I won't be betting it due to you know my fandom. I don't want to be sitting there rooting against the Eagles, and I hope that the Eagles blow everyone out. Um, my main concern, if I'm on the Bears' side here, is the Bears' defense against the Eagles, period. I was going to say the Eagles' running game, but just the Eagles, period. I mean, Miles Sanders is having the best year of his career. He went over 1,000 yards for the first time in his career last week against the Giants. He just put up 144 yards against the Giants, if I remember those uh, stats correctly. And then you add in, obviously, Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith and everything that we can do. But Chicago is really bad against the run. And so if they just can't slow us down, it won't surprise me at all. But again, if, you know, if the Eagles defense does struggle a little bit in this one as far as letting Fields create some plays, that won't necessarily surprise me either. Maybe lean towards the over. But I do like the, the Bears plus nine in that one a, l- a little bit. So um, let's just keep going and let's just break down the Cowboys game while we're here. We kind of already had half the conversation. I'm going to pick the Jags plus four in this one also. This game is in Jacksonville. Uh, I saw this line open a little bit higher. I don't know if it was ever above five or five and a half, but I do know we had a four and a half just the other day here, and we are down to a plus four Friday afternoon. Over under 47 and a half. I'm going to lean towards the over in this one. I think Trevor Lawrence comes and shows up against this Dallas defense. Everybody thinks the Cowboys defense is some sort of world beater, and they are pretty fucking good. But again, this look ahead to Philly on Christmas Eve, I think the distraction is real. I think Michael Parsons has not even thought for one fucking second about Trevor Lawrence this week with all the questions he's had to answer about Jalen Hurts. Um, this is a small angle, not anything crazy, but Doug Peterson was 3-2 and two against the spread against the Dallas Cowboys as his time as head coach with Philadelphia. So he has had to prepare against this Cowboys team, um, you know, a few times. Oh, he was 3-2 uh, and two at Dallas, but this game's in Jacksonville, so that doesn't make sense. Sorry about that, guys. But still, um, Doug Peterson coaching experience against the Cowboys, so that's something to consider. It looks like the Jags have at least built something here. Like, I'm not saying that the Jags are going to go on this playoff run. I, I, I don't know if they're eliminated yet, but... Um, They're building something like this kind of like if this was Trevor Lawrence's rookie year, you'd say, wow, this is a fantastic rookie year to build on. Right. So like if we can just cut him a break for that Urban Meyer bullshit, it looks like Lawrence is an NFL quarterback. He's been a top 10 fantasy quarterback on the year so far. And um, they're starting to kind of gel some momentum. So, yeah, I just it's more of Dallas choking in the look ahead to Philadelphia. But four points as a home dog. Yeah, I kind of like that for Jacksonville. Um, Dallas clearly, 
not the most focused team last year against the Texans, and it's possible that they overlook an opponent two weeks in a row with this, uh, like I said, Christmas Eve showdown against the Eagles that we're all looking forward to. So, yeah, I'm going to take the Jags plus four. I feel better about the Jags plus four than I do about the Bears plus nine. Yeah, that feels that feels accurate. But let's move on. This next game, to me, uh, between the Detroit Lions and the New York Jets, could have been a pretty interesting matchup until the unfortunate news that uh, quarterback Mike White was ruled out for the Jets. He got this shit beat out of him in Buffalo last weekend, and he hasn't been physically cleared. So we have Zach Wilson in the lineup for the Jets again. I think Flacco dealing with some issues as well. Um, didn't fully look into it. All I know is Zach Wilson is starting, and so that makes the Jets a no-go in this point. I was leaning towards the Jets with Mike White under center in this situation. Um, you know, the um, opportunity for a great defensive coordinator and a great defense on the Jets side here um, to match up against Jared Goff in an outdoor venue to me in a non-conference road game was appealing. But I can't bet on Zach Wilson. Won't ever do it, guys. Won't fucking do it. You won't see it. Um, have I bet against him this season and been wrong a time or two? Yeah. I mean, I think week two against Pittsburgh, he caught me with my pants down. But he's a fucking dipshit of an NFL quarterback, so I can't do it. It's Detroit or nothing in this one. <clears throat> uh, when the Zach Wilson starter news broke this afternoon, the line flipped from the Jets as a one-point favorite to now the Lions as a one-point favorite. I'm opening bet stamp right now, and I'm seeing that uh, three out of the six books in New York State have this at Detroit minus one. The other three have it at one and a half. So not, you know, one, one and a half, not a key number here, but you can see that the number is fluctuating across the market and it may continue to rise over the weekend. By Sunday, we could see this go upwards of two and a half or even the key number of three. So I do think that there's value on Detroit right now. I wouldn't have said it with Mike White in the lineup, uh, but to me, Zach Wilson is a massive downgrade here. Feel bad for Garrett Wilson owners in fantasy playoffs this weekend. The Lions are playing good football here and I'm not going to pick against them with Wilson under center right and I don't want to sound like I'm overreacting to one player but Zach Wilson is that kind of bad that you overreact to the Lions have won five out of six games here and their only loss in that stretch was a three-point loss to Buffalo um, on a walk-off field goal where Josh Allen had to pull quite a uh, few things out of his ass to get that done um uh, last angle that I'll bring up, and it applies to our last game here too, forgot to mention, there is a Thursday night football look-ahead angle that I've been monitoring throughout the season. Teams have struggled when they are anticipating um, having to go and play this upcoming Thursday on a short week. Uh, the Jags at the Jets is our next Thursday night football game. So makes me a little bit nervous about that Jags-Cowboys spot, but I'm trusting that they'll get up for, you know, a uh, I don't know, a, a prestigious opponent or a big media darling like the Cowboys, I think it'll be an opportunity to say, hey, you know, if we beat Dallas, people are going to be paying attention to them. I view that as the motivation there. Uh, the Jets, on the other hand, um, I, I, can't get in, I can't get as excited for them here with that Thursday night look ahead, a Detroit team that's playing well, and, you know, I'm going to call him a backup quarterback because he is a backup quarterback in Zach Wilson. Leaning towards Detroit, grab the minus one if you can, shop around for that line. Uh, leaning towards the under in this one as well. Like I said, uh, the Lions offense has been playing very well over the, the recent stretch. Um, but something about Robert Sala versus Jared Goff in a cold weather outdoor game has me leaning towards the under in that one. Yep. Next game on Sunday, this is one that we can get through pretty quickly. We got the Panthers as a three-point favorite at home over the Pittsburgh Steelers. 37.5 is the total. Sam Darnold starting for the Panthers. They were able to upset Seattle last week, so you think maybe they're playing with some momentum. I have my hesitation. I just talked in our uh, Jets and Jaguars previews about that Thursday night look-ahead spot. Well, I was on the Panthers to upset last week there actually as a plus 172 money line underdog due to the fact that Seattle had a Thursday night football look ahead to a divisional rivalry with the 49ers. So 
yeah, the Panthers won last week, but was that really more about the Seahawks just playing like shit with the look-ahead spot? Pittsburgh uh, lost to Baltimore last week, you know, boo-hoo. Uh, the real story here is that Kenny Pickett is doubtful. Um, Mitch Trubisky, you would think, would be the starter, but I guess there's some reports that Mason Rudolph is in consideration here. I can't give you any insight on that. I won't be, you know, strongly convicted to either side in this one. It's definitely not a game that I care to watch or bet, to be honest. I'm going to go with Mike Tomlin as the dog. I'll take the Steelers plus the three for this pick. Tomlin as an underdog versus Sam Darnold as a favorite. What else do I need to fucking say? Tomlin will figure it out. It's what he does. Um, if any of you guys saw that viral clip of the Steelers fan trying to say, Hey coach Tomlin, let's go. Let's go. And he says, I'm fucking working here, man. Leave me the fuck alone. That's just what Mike Tomlin does. So, um, I'm going to take the Steelers in this one. I don't know who's playing quarterback. I'm not locking in any bets and I don't really want to talk about it because both these teams stink. Apparently the Panthers can still make the playoffs, but that's true for every team in their division and none of them are any good. So I just don't really want to talk about it. I don't trust the Panthers to um play well two weeks in a row i guess uh, I, I, pittsburgh kind of a zig and zag team um but tomlin will get them uh motivated enough i guess so let's just move on because nobody's gonna watch this game another game that we can breeze through pretty quickly last one o'clock game on sunday we have the chiefs at the texans the texans 14 point home underdogs i mentioned nine points is a lot to get at home with the bears but 14 is a yeah, that's, a, that's definitely a big one. It's justified, though. The Texans are the worst team in the league, and it is not close. It really isn't this year. Um, I mentioned that the Bears and the, I believe the Rams, or the it's the Broncos, have the uh, number two pick. You can, I mean, the Broncos' defense is close to elite, and the Bears' offense is very good. The Texans don't do anything well, right? They have the worst run defense in the league, maybe the run defense, worst run defense in NFL history. I've made thousands of dollars betting against their run defense this season. No exaggeration. Um, I think that this is a blowout, okay? The Chiefs um, had a weird game against Denver last week. Throw it out. Their offense looked great. They turned the ball over too many times against, a, again, a good and strangely competitive Denver defense last week in a divisional rivalry game. Houston is in a sandwich spot here. They played in-state rival Dallas last week. They have the Tennessee Titans next week. They're going to get the shit kicked out of them here in this one. I really, truly believe it. The Chiefs, to me, are going to look to put up like 45 points and, and just remind everybody how fucking dominant they are in this one. I will mention for you fantasy players and you prop betters out there, the Texans run defense is so bad that you might not get the game out of Mahomes that you really need this weekend. They just might not have to throw that much. This team could be up 24-0 in the first half, and Mahomes might just not play in the second half. Another possibility is that they just run the ball the entire game. Pacheco could have a big game. McKinnon seems to be used more in the passing game than the running game right now, so I have pause there, but maybe worth looking into some yardage props. But um, as far as the passing game here, I just don't know if the Chiefs need to air it out in order to absolutely pummel this Texans run defense. So I would be concerned about that, but I'll lay the points here. I'm not really worried about it. Give me the Chiefs minus 14. I'll lean towards the under as well because um, I think it's a lot of bleeding clock in the second half in this one. So over under 49 and a half, it's a high number. It's too high of a number for me for a Texans team that could potentially, you know, put up 10 points this weekend and the Chiefs could win this one, you know, let's call it 34 to 10 and just bleed out the clock for the last eight minutes. I mean, that goes under by almost a touchdown. So that's where I'm at. couple of trends here. If you do want to bet the Texans, Lovey Smith is 13-7 and seven against the spread as a dog of nine or more points. And Pat Mahomes is actually only 5-10-1 against the spread as a dog of double, or as a favorite of double digits. Again, Mahomes, 5-10-1 against the spread as a favorite of 10 or more points. That said, I'm ignoring those trends, and I'm going to take uh, Chiefs minus 14 for this pick. On to the afternoon slate on Sunday. We have the Patriots heading out to Las Vegas in the Belichick-McDaniels matchup here, the coach's revenge game. The, the Raiders are a one-point favorite here. 
Um, line is fluctuating quite a bit as I open bet stamp. I see that it's, it's actually jumped between a half point on some books and one and a half points on some books. So definitely make sure you shop around on this one. Um, over unders 44 and a half. Haven't made my mind up with lean under, but something in my contrarian gut is telling me not to, um, just assume anything in this one. What I will say here is that I'm going to go with the Raiders, and I think that a lot of people are going to be on the Patriots. They're coming off that primetime win over the Cardinals, but let's be honest, they didn't have to do much in that one. The Raiders' offense is going to pose much more of a challenge, I think, to this Patriots' defense with Josh Jacobs and Devontae Adams than a Cardinals team with Colt McCoy uh, would. Um, I'll mention, you know, a lot of people will assume that Belichick will have the coaching advantage in this one. McDaniels actually went 2-0 straight up and against the spread against Belichick with his uh, Denver Broncos during his time as a Denver Broncos head coach quite a few years ago. Um, The Raiders are playing with an extra rest here coming off Thursday night football against the Rams last week, while the Patriots have short rest coming off a Monday night football game. That, to me, is a big factor. Also, Patriots not completely healthy. Devontae Parker banged up with a concussion Monday night. Ramondre Stevenson questionable. And if Ramondre can't go, it's going to be a committee of running backs. It's going to be a lot of inexperienced young guys out there. It's not like their offense has been a powerhouse. And, uh, yeah, I think it's a hostile environment in this one as well. Um, You know, Vegas isn't an easy place to play. East Coast team traveling out west. Yeah. Give me the Raiders. I mean, I I think that the public is going to be on New England in this one again because of the Belichick situation. Um, But I feel pretty good about this one. It's mostly in my gut besides the things that I just said. Like, I don't have any ridiculous trends for you or anything. No massive cash splits on this one. But it it feels pretty good to me here. It, It feels all right. So, yeah. I'll, I'll take the Raiders in this one, and we'll just move on because as we go in this episode, um, there's really only like one or two games that I'm that interested in going forward. So let's go ahead and wrap this up. Next game, super quick, just really don't care, don't have an opinion, don't know what to say on it. We have the Cardinals and the Broncos. The Broncos are minus three right now. 37.5 is the total. This looks like another one where if you're going to do anything, you go under on the total here, 37.5. It's a low number, but two backup quarterbacks in this one. Obviously, Kyler Murray, done for the season, torn ACL. He can go and play Call of Duty and hide out in his basement. Um, Brett Ripien is the starting quarterback for the Broncos because Russell Wilson is out with a concussion. He had a golf ball sized lump on his forehead last Sunday. Pretty hilarious. Made for some quality memes. Um, I also find it a little funny that Russell Wilson will miss time with a concussion when he actually owns and endorses his own line of concussion curing water. Just drink your fucking water, Russ, and get back out there. That shit works, doesn't it? If you guys don't know what I'm talking about, go Google Russell Wilson concussion water and have yourself an afternoon. That said, I don't know what to say about this game. It's two gross you know, backup quarterbacks, two teams that are irrelevant. I guess I'm going Denver minus three because their defense is very good. Um, maybe the offense gets better with Ripian. I don't know. They scored some points last week against Kansas City, but who's to tell if it's sustainable? And again, with a backup QB, I don't know what this looks like. So if you have an angle on this, please tell me, because I have no opinion on this game. Let's move on. These last two afternoon matchups on Sunday, a little bit more interesting. This one, um, yeah, I'm ready to place a bet on this one. Uh, Tennessee at Los Angeles. The Chargers are minus three favorites over the Titans. Over-under is 46 and a half. And I do like the Titans plus three quite a bit in this one. This one feels um, like like a smash spot to me. I don't want to say the wrong team's favored because, like, I get it. The Chargers are at home, but I fully, I'll be surprised if the Titans don't pull off the underdog upset in this one. Mike Vrabel, 24-15 and 15 against the spread as an underdog, 19-7 and 7 against the spread as an underdog of three points or more. All the guy does is win games that he shouldn't. His team is constantly undervalued. They've lost two straight games. Um, they've kind of been blown out in two straight games. And I think that's uncharacteristic for a Vrabel team. I think this is the spot where they get back on track. This team will be in the playoffs. It's not like they're dead. Yeah, they've lost two games in a row in relatively embarrassing fashion, but their division is so 
piss poor that they're gonna be in the playoffs and Vrabel's gonna have this team somewhat tuned up here I think this is an opportunity to do it Derrick Henry looked great last year or last week um just the second half went sideways and they couldn't give him the ball anymore because they were down 21 points out of nowhere um that said this Chargers run defense has really struggled uh not just this year but over the course of the last two years since Brandon Staley has been there as head coach it has been a run funnel defense so I really like this matchup, you know, from a, like I said, run defense strength standpoint. Also, the Tennessee Titans are a top three run defense in the NFL. So I think that they can make the Chargers one dimensional and possibly force Herbert to um, make some throws that he doesn't want to make. And maybe it results in some uh, turnovers for this Titans defense that I think doesn't get a whole lot of respect that maybe they should. So I'll lean towards under 46 and a half in this one with slight confidence. And I will tell you that I do like the Tennessee Titans plus three to get a bounce back here and pull off the underdog upset with some pretty strong conviction. Last afternoon kickoff for Sunday, we got the Bengals at the Buccaneers. The Bucks three and a half point home underdogs over under 45 here. And I wish I had a stronger opinion for you guys on this one. I really don't. It's a tough game. I'm just, I'm done picking the Buccaneers. I'm done picking the Buccaneers against good teams. Can they handle their shit against the Falcons and the Panthers and the Saints and the, you know, the bullshit down in the NFC South? Yeah, they'll probably scratch and claw their way to, unfortunately, a four seed in a home playoff game, the way that the, the playoff formatting works. But I'm done picking them against good teams, and the Bengals are clearly very good. I, for some reason, I get a little nervous week in and week out. Is this, you know, is the public hype on the Bengals too high? The public really loves Joe Burrow and those boys. I get it, but I gotta stop doubting them because they look good. They look like the same team that went on that Super Bowl run last year. And don't get me started on uh, how flukish of a run that was. But anyways, I mean, they look solid. They're a good team. I don't think that they're. I don't even want to go there with the whole Super Bowl last year, guys. I'll go in a whole ramp. But they're clearly a good football team right now. I think they're actually better than they were last year. I mean, that's part of my whole point here is I, I didn't think they were that good last year, and I thought a lot of teams that they played in the playoffs were beating themselves. They look like a more well-rounded football team at this point right now than they did this point last year, in my opinion. They've won nine out of their last 11 games after an 0-2 start, and I'm just done picking the Buccaneers against good teams. I just don't think that they're on the same tier. I'm going to pick the Bengals here, although I don't have the strongest opinion. It is Tom Brady off of a massive blowout, and there is always going to be that little voice in the back of your head that says, well, is this a Brady fuck you game? I don't know how many of those he has left in the tank at this point. I'm not saying physically he's done, but the Bucks just don't, they haven't looked good this season. And I'm done just, I'm done like anticipating that all of a sudden they're going to turn around and snap it on against a good Bengals team that obviously Burrow gets all the credit, but their defense is playing pretty fucking well at this point of the season too. So I'm going to lean with the Bengals minus three and a half here and try not to overthink this one. Sunday night football, we have the New York Giants at the Washington Commanders. Let's hope that I don't slip up and say Redskins four times during this episode like I usually do. Uh, Washington minus four and a half, over under 40 and a half. Um, I was surprised to see this spread so big. I know that Washington's been playing better than the Giants, I guess, in recent memory. Giants just got absolutely ass-pumped by Philly last week. But these two teams tied, you know, just two weeks ago, and four and a half seems like, you know, maybe this should be a three, two and a half point spread here. I'm going to lean with the Giants plus four and a half over under 40 and a half. I lean towards the under in this one. Again, it's a divisional matchup. These teams uh, tied 20 to 22 weeks ago. So I think they can, um, you know, have another pretty similar looking, uh, I think, defensive kind of slugfest here. Daniel Jones, five and one against the spread against Washington. Um, whether they're the Redskins, the football team, or the Commanders, uh, he's still five and one against the spread. And uh, the Giants um, four and one against the spread on the road this year. So I'm going to lean with the Giants uh, getting four and a half in a divisional matchup where I think it'll be a battle. And I think if either team wins this game by a field goal or less, I'm not surprised. Uh, the number's too big to me, and I, you know, I don't want to sit here and sound dumb, but I can't really understand why. Um, Giants plus four and a half seems like 
the side to me. So let's not overthink it. Uh, last game, let's roll right into it. We got the Rams heading to the Packers for Monday Night Football. God, these primetime games just fucking suck this year, don't they? They're all bad. They're all horrible. And I've had this conversation several times this season, but I guess that's what happens when 75% of the league just sucks at football, right? Like, in what in what alternate universe is a team like the Giants or the Commanders or the Seahawks actually in the playoff picture? Well, it happened this year because, again, 25 teams in the league are horrible at football this year. Very strange. Packers are one of them. Rams are one of them as well. Two teams that were looked at as Super Bowl favorites coming into this season. Packers are not mathematically eliminated yet. The Rams are, I believe. Rams coming off that, you know, uh, Hollywood movie ending there. uh, Thursday Night Football against the Raiders. Um, Packers coming off the bye week. Aaron Rodgers, 9-3-1 against the spread off the bye week. Aaron Rodgers in ho- at home in primetime, 23-11-1 against the spread in his career. Um, I'm going to lean with the Packers, minus the 7 here. Don't love laying those points. Honestly, don't love it. Um, this looks like another one where if you're going to take anything, you probably take the under at uh, even number of 40 right now on most books. But um, I can't take the Rams. Right now, I know that Baker pulled some shit out of his ass, but pretty brutal collapse by the Raiders, and I don't... He didn't look good most of that game. I mean, I'm not going to overreact to the final two minutes or whatever. So, I don't know. Not a strong opinion on this one. Pay attention to my Instagram for the final picks this Sunday. And, of course, Monday night, you know, Monday's so far away. There's so many things that could happen this weekend where we might get some more news pertaining to that. But uh, not my strongest opinion on that matchup either. I just think, you know, until the Packers are done, Rodgers should come out firing on this one. Like you said, he's good off the bye. He's good in prime time at home in his career. I'll, I'll just go with those trends here. So that's going to do it for my episode here, guys. Felt good to record again. Felt good to get some thoughts out. Going to be getting you an episode every week, of course, here on Apple, Spotify, and Podbean.com. Don't forget my hosting page, uh, sgrpod.podbean.com, is up and available. Um, Instagram and Twitter, at sgrpod. I'm also on the BetStamp app. Um, I do want to mention another function of the app is that you can post your picks in live time. They have um, a way to verify your picks and make sure that they are actual odds available. A lot of cool features in there. So you guys can follow me on BetStamp and see what I'm betting in real time when I lock those picks in on the BetStamp app. A lot of different features. Part of it is a social interaction. Part of it is to help you with your research. Part of it is to help you shop for lines. Really cool app. So again, my promo code JosephB. Uh, for the BetStamp app, please DM me on Instagram if you guys have any questions or if you're interested in getting any of those free uh, minimum deposits covered through my BetStamp partnership. That's going to do it for me, guys. Thank you for listening to me talk about football. I do appreciate you guys. This is SGR106. Let's go ahead and win some bets and let's enjoy the extra action that the NFL is throwing at us this holiday season. I'm going to wrap it up. Thank you, guys, and ramble on.